Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. This morning is our Conversation with Smart People series, and we do this once a month. Our special guest on the line with us is Marilyn Oduini. How you doing this morning, Queen? Thank you for being with us as you are our smart person up to bat this morning. Thank you for being with us this again this morning uh, here in Atlanta. How you doing, Queen? Awesome. I'm so glad to be here. Montoya, thanks for having me. Um, I'm just excited. This is um, a great opportunity and I think a great time for um, myself and all of us as a black thinking community. Nah, absolutely, and I'll say better mm-hmm. than a great time. It's the perfect time, considering everything that's mm-hmm. happening, uh, to have you as our conversation with uh, smart people, if you will. Uh, if you will, Queen, mm-hmm. give people a little bit of your background, and we'll kind of let the, you know let the cat out the bag of why this is perfect timing to have you on at this time, if you will. Go ahead and uh, you know let them know a little bit about yourself. Okay, great. Um, my name again is Marilyn Aldwayne. I'm a trained cognitive behavioral therapist, a peaceful parenting and conscious motherhood coach, and I'm also a veteran unschooling advocate and mentor. Um, I, I don't too much talk about what I do. I talk about what I'm passionate about, and my passion is black mothers, children, and families. I believe that families are the root of our communities, and mothers are the life force of families. And by helping our mothers heal, um, we can begin to help the whole black community heal. Gular, I'm dedicated to freeing the minds of black children and taking back control of black families from the school system. And that's why this is a perfect time for all of us as a community as our um, children are 
home with us for the most part, it's a great opportunity to begin that process for those of us who are willing to undertake it wholeheartedly. Hey, again, perfect timing, perfect timing, because as you say, I don't know if this is the correct word, but I, I, it, to a certain extent, our children have been forced to be home with us and, and to a certain mm-hmm. extent, right? And so, <laughs> exactly. um, you know, parents are trying to figure it out. Uh, wait, you know, most of them are waiting on the news. When will we be going back to school? The reality is uh, it won't mm-hmm. be as soon as people think. Uh, from what I've been looking at, uh, some, of you, some people may have seen me on another broadcast last week, just mm-hmm. really just researching the science of it. And so the, mm-hmm. the going back to school, if you will, is, may not happen as soon as people think. And so with that mm-hmm. said, again, I think you are the perfect person to speak now because, again, not only have you been a longtime advocate, um, but I'm pretty sure you might probably have some good tips even for those who intend to go back. And as you, But as you ultimately said, um, if you mm-hmm. really want to, really want to change things and get our children, particularly our black children, as you say, free, uh, this, this may be mm-hmm. an opportunity, even if they wasn't expecting it, and I'm pretty sure you will have a lot, uh, you know, to say about that. So, you know, with that Absolutely. said, mm-hmm. yeah, so so even for those who, who wasn't necessarily anticipating that this was, thing was going to happen, but, you know, maybe they're contemplating, or even better yet, what I would say is, um, if you have, I'll even kind of pinpoint this. If your child is trying to navigate, the, the, in a sense, the public school system, and and based on their standards, if you will, they're, they're having a little trouble, maybe, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, people like you, you jump at the opportunity to maybe re, redirect, in a sense, that that quote unquote issue, uh, you know, in a sense, mm-hmm. for a parent. And so if you've got your children home now and, and and you're like, man, I don't know if they're doing okay at school, what type of things just, like you said, I'm, like I said, I should say, considering that they're probably going to be home a lot longer. And I, I'm imagining a lot of parents are worrying about, you know, how well am I educating my children, even the schools trying to give suggestions of how to do it or what you could be doing in this meantime. But I'm pretty sure you got uh, an array of things parents could be maybe figuring out to assist their child while they have them. Any any thoughts on that, just tips, just for those parents that are anxious about this time, if you will? Um, I feel like the most important thing to um, remember is to um, do your best to not be so anxious about it. This is a great opportunity to not look at it as a um, as a time of difficulty, but a time of growth for your family. I personally, and many people will agree with me here, um, believe that the school system as it stands was never intended to be the ideal place to educate and bring up black children. It wasn't intended for the empowerment of black children or black people. And it's never, and most of our children to one extent or another are struggling in school, whether it's, you know, quote-unquote academically and the academic side of things, whether it's emotionally, whether it's spiritually, physically, there's so many things that are going on with our children while they're at school. And I hear from dozens of parents that I work with on a regular basis um, that their children are unhappy. Many of us as parents, we all went through the school system and we remember what the experience was like for us. So school has never been the ideal environment for our children. The ideal environment for our children has always been home. 
no one else is going to invest in your children the way that you will. No one else is as vested in your children's well-being and success as you are and will always be. So there's no better person to be in control and to lead your child in their um, educational life and in life in general than you. So this is truly an opportunity to take back that leadership role that was always yours in your child's education. And this is not a time, it it can be an anxiety-inducing time when we're not accustomed to that role because it's been, you know, we've been taught to hand it off to other people for the most part and focus on, you know, the goals of a society that doesn't even really care about us. Um, But this is a great time to refocus and to start to do the things that actually benefit and empower and enhance your children's lives. And, um, and you know, I can say a lot more about that. I absolutely respect that. I'll say um, mm-hmm. I love children. I'm an after-school instructor. Don't have any children of my own. Um, just, mm-hmm. again, just trying to – we we're going to a break here, so we're going to have to cut this. Uh, we'll maybe mm-hmm. start this comment and maybe um, go after the break. But what I'll say is, is I think about it as just trying to step into a parent's shoes. And so again, I don't have mm-hmm. children. But as you said, we've been taught to hand it off. So in handing mm-hmm. it off and now it's back in our homes, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just based mm-hmm. on everything that's going on. So yeah. we develop, right or wrong, We sometimes mm-hmm. we develop a little comfort in that time at school they're being educated. Mm-hmm they're being taught. Mm -hmm. So when this thrust Mm -hmm. back on me and I got to set the schedule, I may not Mm -hmm. feel that I'm doing as well with ensuring that they're educating themselves because we, again, have in our mind that there's a period of time throughout Mm -hmm. that day that they're getting educated. So if I have to create that schedule myself, if Mm -hmm. if I'm alarmed, just a quick thought and then we'll go to break. What do you say, again, just addressing that anxiousness, addressing if I'm alarmed at how do I set this schedule, what do you say to that parent, and then we'll go to break, and you can maybe give some details to that parent. Again, I'm just jumping in their shoes, if you will. Focus on the needs of your child and who your child is, and and the most important thing is the needs of the child and the flow of the family. You don't have to try to replicate school in your home. Um, a lot of people have been convinced that the important part of homeschool is school, but actually the most important part is home. So first tune nice. into what the scheduling needs of the family is and work, what works within your home, and then incorporate the needs of education within that framework. So we need to kind of flip the whole thing on its head and, you know, get rid of the idea of school first and make it home first, and then you do what you need to do oh. to um, now, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Now, I like that idea. Let's go to a quick break and we come back. We can get in more detail when it comes to that. And then I have a, a just to give you a heads up, I have uh, some of your own words I want to share with people and just get your thoughts because, again, we're going to make this just about homeschooling, but again, it's just the time and the need is there right now. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. 
You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com 404-465-4348 Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com Call them at 404-465-4348 Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people Marilyn Adwin, thank you, Queen, for being with us. As she, was, she is a unschooled and homeschooled expert, as I refer to her. And, again, we were just kind of breaking down, hey, our parents are home, trying to figure out, as you said, it could be an anxious time. I love what you said before the break and the idea of home first and fitting education within that. As I, as I was listening to you, a quick thought that came to my mind, Marilyn, was just the idea. I was like, you know what, that makes sense at least to me from the standpoint of, yeah, education might, the education that I'm wanting to provide to my child may, might take place at 7 o'clock in, in the evening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it could just, like you said, exactly. fit it around the family schedule anyway because now you have them at home to educate as needed whenever you need to within the family schedule. So that sounded excellent to me. I'm going to mm-hmm. kind of resort to one more question as far as, again, considering that a lot of our families are still used to that school system and they are anticipating this time, like, in a sense, just waiting to get back. So maybe for the parent, and I'll open up the phone lines too, maybe someone can call in and give you their their particulars. But one other thought is I would think as a parent, if I got my child struggling in maybe a a certain course or whatever, right, and so when you say I can Mm -hmm. kind of move the schedule around for my child, but if I got them struggling in the course, and right now my mindset is I'm going to send them back to school, um, any mm-hmm. pointers for handling the course my child is struggling in? Because I think naturally a parent will say, well, that's the, that's the one I'm going to overwork on since I got them here anyway. I'm just, just making that assumption. But any thoughts on that? And they will, you know, kind of move a little more organically than that. But, again, I just wanted to just anticipate what some of the parents may be thinking about right now. Well, I believe that um, if – for a parent who has the intention of returning their child to school or is looking to use a more um, structured way of learning um, or, you know, and there's a particular area in which your child is struggling, I would say that that's the area to probably give them a little bit of a break in first mm-hmm. in order to kind of see what the need is there. Because a lot of times what um, there's not a lot of opportunity in the school for the teachers or even the parents based on our normal schedules and our normal lifestyle to really understand what's going on with your child. So this is a great time to, to relax in it and not make it so um, stressful. Right. Uh, and to kind of pay attention, have conversations with your child about it. Find out what exactly, maybe there's some anxiety that your child has around this. Maybe there's, mm-hmm. you know, something else going on that we just don't see in the moment. So this is a great time to to really relax 
And I've talked a lot about um, um, de-schooling in the beginning of the homeschooling process. That actually is the period that allows you to transition into a, a, a great balance, whether you're an unschooler or a traditional homeschooler. Um, it's a great time to let your child kind of decompress from that environment of school and even us as parents to be able to adjust our mindset and our thinking to one that is not so attached to the, um, to the, to the lifestyle that school has created because our lifestyles really serve school. And we have to change our mindset to be able to serve our families and to serve home and to focus on our children. And, and so de-schooling and giving your child that period to just decompress and relax and for you to get to understand what exactly the issue may really be for your child in that area is great. And then you can figure out more creative ways to tackle it. Maybe, you know, there's a new, a new book or videos or something, or maybe bringing someone in as a tutor or whatever the case may be down the line is what will actually help your child do better in that particular area. Um, and it'll be easier for you to focus and, um, and improve the skills in that area once you truly understand it. So um, a lot of us feel like when someone is struggling in a certain area, now is the time to apply more pressure. Now, especially for children, mm-hmm. that rarely ever works. You know, a lot of the time mm-hmm. when they start to struggle or they're having a hard time, now is the time to take a step back and reassess it from a different perspective and figure out what can work better for that child. Makes so much mm-hmm. sense because that pressure, mm-hmm. actually, like you said, actually makes it worse uh, and we're typically mm-hmm. not getting the child's input. Uh, and, and they are, mm-hmm. they get to a certain age, and they are becoming known selves, and they reject the pressure. And that and that becomes mm-hmm. part of the battle. So it makes so much exactly. sense. And I think, it's a, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is a perfect segue for here's a thought that I've always felt. The reality is you kind of mentioned this from the very beginning. Whether we like to admit it or not, when it comes to our black or African-American children, whatever you choose, uh, when it comes to our children, I think, well, again, whether we like to admit it or not, most of us know that these public schools, as you've already mentioned, are failing specifically our black children. The reality is the school system is failing all children, right? But it is, yes. it is for the most part, it is definitely most people know it is detrimental. Again, I'm not trying to do blanket statements saying that all schools are bad. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But for ser- serving particularly our children, it's not most of us know whether again whether we want to admit it or not in our subconscious there's an issue. Mm-hmm. So for someone who yeah. would love to make that leap because again it's about to be forced on you, I'll even throw it out. Don't want to. I mean, if it alarms you, it alarms you. We may not go back to school this year. Like that's the reality mm-hmm. of what's going on uh, with this coronavirus. Just putting it out there. Not again, not trying to scare anyone. But if that is a reality, and someone says, you know what, I don't want to go back to that structure. Um, speak about mm-hmm. de-schooling and unschooling, what that is, because a lot of people have, haven't even heard the term, for example, unschooling. So it's a great opportunity to just kind of break that down for a parent who says, you know what, I am going to take my black child out of these schools. Um, well, unschooling, uh, speaking about that first, is um, it's basically within that whole, um, it's a subgroup, let's say, of homeschooling. It is homeschooling, but it's not a definitely not traditional homeschooling. It doesn't come along with the same structure as homeschooling. It's very much a child-led way of 
learning in its philosophy. And unschoolers primarily focus on um, understanding who your child is, the needs of the child, and then using that information to create an environment in which your child is curious and wanting to learn because learning happens all the time. Um, no one needs to be, you know, in a quote unquote learning environment and being educated for six hours, eight hours straight in a day. There's nowhere that it happens in nature. There's nowhere that it happens in real life where we're just spending, you know, six straight hours, you know, supposedly learning. And even within school, I've been in the school system, I've taught there, and it realistically, that's not even close to what happens in school where somehow there's learning going on all the time. So that's not the environment that we try to create as unschoolers. We believe that learning happens all the time. Learning is part of life and children, uh, humans, period, but especially children, <clears throat> excuse me, were born to learn. We're actually made for it. Babies learn how to talk and walk without being coerced or, you know, taught. So if we create the environment around the needs of the child and who the child is, we believe that and we have proven, you know, over and over again that children will learn what they need in order to be successful. And um, so as a segue into unschooling, or even if you choose traditional homeschooling, um, de-schooling is the process of making that break from the traditional school system into that lifestyle of um, home education and unschooling. And it just is the, the period where, um, as I said earlier, the child and the family kind of gets to decompress from just that standardization of school. More often than not, it's really the parents who need more de-schooling <laughs> than the children because the children, you know, they've only been on earth for so long and they've, been in school for maybe, depending on when you begin, just a few years of their life. You know, they're much closer to that natural state of being a learner and being curious about the world and having, you know, and desiring that freedom than we are. Many of us as parents, we've been in this for a long time, not only just being systemized and indoctrinated into the school system, but then, you know, the work world that follows because the school system is basically preparing us for a life of working for, you know, corporations and whatever else. So we've been in this for a long time. So it's us that really need that mind shift in order to be mm. able to, you know, allow our children to be able to, you know, be who they are and learn in a way that suits them and not in the way that we've been taught and we've been programmed to believe that learning is supposed to happen. So that's just a little brief explanation of that. No, it makes sense because um, mm -hmm. I've been exposed um, and having had other guests on that, in a sense, do unschooling. And even often, even if somebody's out there heard or someone said, well, I tried homeschooling and it, you know, didn't work. What I learned mm -hmm. is the part you just talked about quite often is because they didn't, in a sense, enter a de-schooling process. So when when yeah. you see, uh, you know, the ones that are quote unsuccessful or I sent them back to school, it was mm -hmm. again based on, as you said, the parents' expectations versus, like you said, by being indoctrinated, indoctrinated for all the years. So that is the de-schooling mm -hmm. process is absolutely valuable to enter into the as you said, this natural learning. When you said it and for example, it's it's proven to have worked, um, the first thing that comes to my mind and I would just have you kinda of address this 
so that in a sense people understand you're not just saying this, proven. So, for example, if your child is deciding to, in a sense, go off to higher education or if that, mm-hmm. that, you know, your child gets to that stage where you're not going to necessarily go to higher education but you're going to go into another career field. Uh, I, I, I've seen enough from, again, the people that have come on the show before, I've come to understand there are great successes. Uh, that's the period mm-hmm. that, you know, the parents are most looking at to say, okay, get my child, get educated. So just give me some of those proving examples of what that looks like, so whether it's higher education or a career, because a lot of times unschoolers are ready for careers actually sooner than a lot of people that go through the traditional school system from what I've, what I've, from what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, I can. I, I don't have to go much further than outside of my own home in order to give you a great success story. Um, but I can, you know, talk about so many people that I know. We have um, people who, let's say, if they even choose the corporate world um, or higher education, who have come from an unschooling um, or you know homeschooling environment, and have been able to. They, we traditionally, or typically, I should say, um, unschooled and homeschooled um, young people are admitted to colleges at a higher rate than, um, you know, traditionally schooled people, if, if you compare the population um, percentage-wise. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the things that we believe that colleges and universities are looking for that we've been taught over the years are not actually true. And unschoolers and homeschoolers tend to have a higher advantage in that um, young people get an opportunity to really explore and know who they are and begin to, you know, do real life work and experience in the things that they truly are passionate about. And they build skills and they build knowledge um, way before other children who are sitting in a classroom all day long to have the opportunity to do the same. And for the same reason, they are much more prepared to go into the working world. Uh, many of them start their own businesses. Uh, many of them, you know, they're, they're actually, for the most part, unschoolers tend to go on to be entrepreneurs just because mm-hmm. they've grown in that um, independent, self-directed mindset for so many years. For a lot of us, it's kind of impossible to go back to working for anybody, <laughs> you know, after um, right. you know, having grown up in that lifestyle. So, and let me mention this real quick, if I could, Marilyn, mm-hmm. and, and the way I understand, again, like you said, a lot of them going into entrepreneurship uh, mm-hmm. is, or like you said, even sometimes going into a certain field is because mm-hmm. of their unschooling learning, the way, they, way they've come under underschooling is they've quite often been in almost if almost working in the field that they love because they were allowed to mm-hmm. pursue that passion and mm-hmm. have experience to be able to go ahead, as you said, start a business. They didn't necessarily have to go to mm-hmm. school for it because they've already, in, in their unschooling mm-hmm. experience, at a younger age than what we would mm-hmm. maybe allow someone in the school system to start learning about their passion. That's why they're exactly. often able to be successful because they may have started learning about their business at 14 versus 19 mm-hmm. for a college student. So I just wanted to kind of point that that out, mm-hmm. something that I learned and and I, I thought was you. awesome when I was just – yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, I'll say very specifically, you know, my own son, I have a 19-year-old son now who um, is a is a um, producer. He's an audio engineer, and um, uh, it's, he, he began his career in production and music technology at the age of 14. 
he and I was wow. because it was something that he he um he was passionate about. There were no restrictions on how he was able to begin it. He didn't have a, a class to worry about or go to school, so immediately he was able to go to audio engineering school at the age of fourteen. He graduated. Um, within the year, and by 15, he was already producing records, and um, he was um, wow. and he's with a label. And now, at the age of 19, he's got a he's got a long list of um, credentials for his work that he's done, and he's um, opening his own studio. Um, he does a lot of work with um, up and coming artists, and so um, he's got his own business. And in addition to that. Wow. He just learned a lot about being able to um be his own um be his own vehicle for creation and independence. Um he actually chose for himself not to go to college because college is actually gonna slow him down. He was already in the field, he's already doing the work and to go to school right. and spend four four years would have been a waste sitting in a classroom when he could have been building, you know, when he is currently building his career. Um, in the real world. So that's the mindset that our young people are able to enter the world with. And they're able to enter the world at a much earlier point in their lives than typically young people are allowed to. You know, they're learning to make decisions and um, and it's a great opportunity for their growth. No, I love it. Again, I've heard many mm-hmm. of stories like that from people in this world because it was a new world to me. Um, you know, admittedly, again, loving children, doing an after-school program, it, it would I would definitely have to de-school to understand it completely, but I keep hearing stories just like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? And so it's like I think a lot of parents in today's time, even, even now, that's even, you know, the, the added idea of just being independent and being able to, you know, navigate this world seems to, I would say, is even becoming more important to people as, you know, right now your dependency on a corporation or someone else doesn't seem that great in this very moment. So all the more Mm -hmm. reason for while you have your child, in my opinion, to be open to these different opportunities to direct, in a sense, your child's education, or as y'all do, let your child Direct your direct their their education. We are up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to segue into some of your own words and just uh, kind of navigate this conversation more organically going forward. I am going to also open up the phone lines for anybody out there listening. The number to get in is six four six seven eight seven. One six nine one. You will have to press one to let us know you want to speak or ask a question to our special guest, Marilyn Ardini. Ardini. I'm sorry, I think I'm saying that correct. Am I saying it correctly? Ardini. Ardini. Am I saying it right now? Ardini. Yes. Yes. Correct. Okay. Want to get that correct? Sorry about that. All right. So yeah, special guest Marilyn Ardini. If you will, we'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. That ain't saying nothing against hip hop. It's just I'm old school to my heart. I ain't converting over. See, you know what hip hop don't do? See, hip hop don't sing about love no more. And sadly enough, neither does today's R&B music. It is all sex, and that is where Square Business Entertainment comes in to bring you R&B music with a touch of love every 30 days. They drop a new song. Please check out their latest hits. Can't Think About Love by Taylor Pace. Let's give you a little taste of their latest hit. Again, we thank 
Square Business Entertainment for sponsoring the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. When an old couple prays, the sky's full of sun rays. And taking helicopter rides over the Frisco Bay. And roller coaster rides, keep winning first prize. When people are truly happy with themselves inside. Like mountains capped with snow, a great ending to the show. Welcome back to the Venture Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people, Madeline O'Dwayne. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. So, again, I wanted to um, – these are words you've said, so hopefully they don't surprise you or whatever. I just wanted to take a different different angle for this morning's discussion. I have to make these conversations fun for myself as well. And so, again, <laughs> for anybody out there listening that's on the phone line, you have to press 1 if you want to – Give us your three cents or ask a question, please call 646-787-1691 and press 1 to let us know you want to speak. So I saw on your social media um, you said this statement. You said, why would you allow a child's behavior to dictate yours? I, I chose that those words because, again, not only are you a unschooled, homeschool expert, but you said your passion is motherhood, and so I wanted to kind of dive into that part of your business as well. And so that caught my eye on your social media because at that, you know, that particular one, just to give a little context for those out there listening, was about, in a sense, maybe your child throwing a tantrum and things of that nature and how often parents will, as I think as you mentioned, uh, well, I'll just let you handle your own words. Uh, what, what were you thinking when you were mentioning or bringing that to the table for your social media followers, if you will? Well, again, um, I do work um, with countless mothers, you know, either one-on-one or in my groups. And one thing, and, and this also speaks to my own experience and things that I had to learn and unlearn, but um, allowing our children's behavior to dictate ours is something that um, that is, you know, epidemic <laughs> that I see within us as a community. And I just think culturally as a whole in society, and you're correct when it comes to things like tantrums um, with our younger children or attitudes and like our teenagers and things like that. Um, the other part of that statement said, um, um, you are the measure and the balance. The goal is to create peace in your relationship with your children. So in our relationship with our children, we're the adults. And when we resort to allowing, you know, because it can be very, and I'm not unsympathetic to the fact, like, like I say, because I've been there, I'm not unsympathetic to the fact that it can be challenging um, when your child is having a meltdown. And it can trigger things for us emotionally as well. We can be stressed out. Um, a lot of us are going through things on our own. 
um, and have, you know, so many other things going on in our lives that our child's tantrum is the last thing that we need. Our teenager's attitude is the last thing that we want to deal with in this moment. But whatever it is that we expect from our children, we have to model those things. And if we want a certain behavior, if we want certain attitudes from our children, we have to, in our daily lives, be models of it. We can't demand what, you know, we don't live out ourselves. So it's um, the onus is on us as the parents to be the ones who live that example and to be the ones who are what we say that we desire from them. So if you, uh, you know, if, if your child is screaming and having an attitude and you get all emotional and caught up in whatever, you know, is going on with your child, who's going to regulate this? You know, who is the one that's in control here? It's not you in the moment. It's your child that's controlling, you know, the situation. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to moderate ourselves, you know, and um, manage our own feelings because our children can't, especially little ones, but even older ones. They don't have the experience in life to be able to know how to handle their big emotions, you know, the way that we should by the time that we become adults. So the only way to teach them that is by modeling that for them. So if you want the tantrums to end, or if even while the tantrum is going on, you have to model the behavior that you would prefer to see and be in control of the situation and not let, you know, your child or the situation be in control of you. No, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, again, mm-hmm. I don't have any children, but, you know, I'm at 46 I've definitely dated um, queens that have had children, and, you know, I love children, and sometimes I you know, could play, a, you know, have played a role in some of those relationships. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because I don't have children, people are always like, what do, you, what do you know, what do you know? But what you're talking about right now, the reason that stood out to me is two things that come came to my mind, and you mentioned that. You said it's kind of epidemic in our community. And I re- I've been mm-hmm. saying this since I was a young, very young man, and, again, it was just from seeing it with uh, my peers, you know, uh, queens that may, you know maybe ha- maybe had children and things of this nature, and one mm-hmm. thing I noticed, and I think, is similar to this very thing, was uh, I always thought, uh, you know, in discipline, discipline your children, you, you know, it needed to be with good intention uh, whenever you were deciding mm-hmm. to discipline. Uh, but what I would see quite often when I was a young man with, you know, again some of my um, peers who had had children, is I quite often see that the parents would um, discipline even go as far as, um, you know, possibly hitting or whooping the child, you know, and not, you know, they're still very prevalent in our community, but they would apply it. And I would see when, just when they're frustrated, like their frustration mm-hmm. would, would be what led to that, that actual spanking, if you will. And I'm sitting here going, mm-hmm. well, right now the child doesn't even know what they're being spanked for. You're you're spanking them because you're frustrated. So you're not even mm-hmm, exactly. trying to model why or this should, should or should not happen again. And I literally have watched some parents really confuse their children, like things that maybe you, I would, you know, from outside looking in, I would say, that's what you should be disciplined. That's allowed. Mm-hmm. But now that you're frustrated, so the child's confused on what's good and bad behavior. Uh, and that that seems like an example of that. And, and, and just wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one thing that I always say is that a lot of us um, believe that what we have is a parenting problem in our relationships with our children, when what we actually have is a self-discipline problem. And the main, the, the, the truth of that is that a lot of us don't have the discipline that we expect from our children. And undisciplined people mm. can't 
you know, teach discipline to um, to young people. Wow. So if we ourselves don't have management of our emotions, if we ourselves, if, if when if, if there are things going on, you know, all day long that we don't, you know, tackle with our children, and I say first and foremost, tackle those things within yourself because our children are always watching us. It doesn't matter what you say, what you do is a lot more important. That's what they learn is what they see you do on a daily basis. What you do is who you are, and it reflects on your children. So if you haven't disciplined yourself, and um, then you can't expect to see the behaviors that you desire in your children. So a lot of us are responding out of that frustration when we see them doing things that we don't like, but we don't caution ourselves in those same things. So check yourself. Check your own behavior. Check your own discipline. What are you teaching your children by what you do? And when you can correct those things in yourself, it's, it actually becomes very easy to see those changes and, um, in, in your children. It actually quite naturally happens in your children when you handle those things in your own life and in your own behavior. No, it makes a lot of sense. I see some callers out there on the line. If you're just listening, no problem. If you're wanting to get in, you do need to press 1. If you're online, the number to get in is 646 787 one six nine one again that's six four six seven eight seven one six nine one you will need to press one to let us know you want to speak so i'm going to go to a, a another um comment of yours and it was you were exploring the concept of you shouldn't be your child's friend you had a different take on mm-hmm. that if you will Marilyn. um speak to that from your perspective if you will um a lot of people do have that misconception that you can't be your child's friend. I know where they're coming from, you know, and to a lot of people it makes sense that way. But the truth of the matter is is that I'm, I'm one of them. Uh, I'm one again. of them. So that's why I wanted to ask you that one. <laughs> I don't have, you know what I mean? I, I grew up thinking of believing that. So let me admit that and before you continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. <laughs> well, you know, just to kind of clarify that thought is that, um, again, going back to what I said earlier, as parents, we are the model for everything in our children's lives, you know? So every behavior, every kind of relationship, we're the ones who model it for them first. So who better to be your child's friend than you? Now, when I say be your child's friend, you know, um, what is a friend? A friend is someone who, you know, you can talk to, someone who supports you, who can guide you. And those of us who are full-grown adults, many of us have older friends in our lives who, um, you know, they kind of, you know, teach us things that we may not know, and they have been through things and had experiences that we haven't had yet. Um, so they can, you know, tell us a lot about life, and we learn a lot from them, you know. Um, but that doesn't make us respect them any less, just, you know, because now they're acting as our friends. We can have a similar relationship with our children as their friends. We still have to be the adults in the relationship. You know, we still have to have, like with any relationship, we have to have boundaries. They have to understand that we are the parents. There's a dynamic in that relationship that needs to be very clear in its boundaries. But you can be both parent and friend. And the best example of how to be a friend to someone is what you can do in your relationship as a parent, respecting their boundaries and teaching them how to respect boundaries, Um, being supportive, being loving, being a good listener. Um, giving good advice, and so many other things that we can do as parents 
is really just being their friend. Honestly, that's your parents should be your first friend. And it doesn't mean that you just let your children do and say anything, because even as a friend, you shouldn't let your friends do and say anything. You know, there are certain things that you shouldn't be doing with your friends at all. So if, if a lot of people confuse the idea of being your children's friends as being irresponsible with them, um, drinking or doing drugs or just, you know, being wild and crazy, really, you shouldn't be doing that with anybody. You know, I don't even want you as my friend if you're going to be doing all of that, you know, as an adult. <laughs> so obviously, if that's the dynamic you're going to have with your child, no, you shouldn't be their friend. You're not the ideal person for that because you're not going to give them a good example. But if you can maintain a relationship that is one of, of guidance and support and being a good example and having great boundaries, then you're the best friend your child can have because when they go into their adult lives, they'll know what a healthy and functional relationship looks like. No, that makes so much sense. We're up against the break, and I'll mm-hmm. just say a quick thought and go to the break. Uh, but as I'm listening to you, what kept coming to my mind again? We're mental dialogue. We have a lot. We have a community here in Atlanta, and so we're all. I'm often bringing on uh, making relationships with psychotherapists, and quite often mm-hmm. they're always hearing this, and I've heard it through um, all throughout my life. Where uh, mm-hmm. as adults that are getting therapy always, not always, but hearing this often where they're saying, I couldn't talk to my parents. And so the trauma mm-hmm. they're dealing with as an adult, they're saying that because they wish they could have had a adult advice on whatever mm-hmm. scenario became their trauma later in their lives. And it sounds mm-hmm. like what you're saying could be, in a sense, devoid of that because your child is mm-hmm. willing to bring, you know, those those little sticky conversations or, the, you know, whether it be sex or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be, uh, you know, because as a parent, as much as you might not want to have that conversation, I much ra- I don't mm-hmm. get I'm not a parent, but wouldn't you much rather mm-hmm. they come to you for that advice versus their friends on the street that don't know what the heck they're talking about? So um, exactly. great thoughts, man. You know, we're going to yeah, yeah. Gonna, gonna go to break, and we'll come back, and, and I'll let you respond to that. Listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think. Do you need a video to help promote your business on social media? Contact Black Ivory Digital Marketing to get a professional, high-quality video within 48 hours. Let more people see how your business can help them. No matter what type of business you have, we can create a video for you. Authors, realtors, life coaches, insurance agents, stylists, therapists, and more. We got you. Is your business next? Contact Black Ivory Digital Marketing at 470-635-1241 or info at blackivorydmf.com. Again, that number is 470-635-1241 or email them at info at blackivorydmf.com. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. If you have a product or a service 
that you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly, 404-604-9477. Contact me on social media, Facebook, at Mental Dialogue, IG, at Mental underscore Dialogue. If you are a listener and believe in the return of Intelligent Radio and want to keep us on the air, you can also go to MentalDialogue.com and become a supporter. If you're outside of Atlanta, if you're in Atlanta, please become a member. Come join us for our live experiences. Whenever we get away from social distancing, we uh, did a show last night to replace our live experience. Um, please go check that out on, on the Facebook page, the Mental Dialogue Facebook Live show, as we discussed uh, colorism, is it better or worse in 2020? So a great show last night to replace our actual face-to-face live experience in our community club. So keep that in mind if you want to keep up with what we're doing. But this morning's Conversation with Smart People features Marilyn O'Day. I'm sorry if I'm not saying it correctly. Excuse me for that, Queen. Um, but before the break, you, I think you had a, a, a thought, and I wanted to ask you, 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 give you some more of your own words and have you speak to that as well. But I think you had a thought um, coming out, going into the break. Go ahead, Queen. Oh, I was just going to wrap up to say that um, no one, no other friend that your child is going to have is going to be as deeply and genuinely invested in the well-being of your child than you are. So there's not a, a better friend in the world for your child than yourself as their parent. Uh, absolutely. I, and I think it's that, I mean, again, we, we, know we give a lot of credit to celebrities or whatever, uh, but sometimes you do hear a celebrity, because we just see their lives live out, and every now and then there are mm-hmm. celebrities who say, my best friend was my parent. I always find that so refreshing mm-hmm knowing that, as you said, was in a sense, it's epidemic in our community that this concept of I can't be my child's friend sometimes leads to a lot mm-hmm. of trauma. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, but, you know, thank yeah. you for that. So, um, again, just to highlight, again, you are, for anybody that may have just tuned in, um, you are an expert, as I say, uh, when it comes to unschooling, homeschooling. Um, but, again, you also have um, um, the peaceful blackmama.com and so here's something that I that I saw from you that I think will speak to that and I wanted to kind of lay this out and hear you speak about it so I saw one of your posts and you said don't be deceived into believing that being a homemaker housewife home educator or stay at home mom keeps you from living your dreams in truth there are more ways that it can free you to be all that you desire to be Um, that's like, uh, has been a 100% truth for me and so many other women that I know we have been, um, again, deceived, um, into believing that there's only one way that we can, you know, uh, um, accomplish the things that we want to accomplish and that families and children and, you know, growing a home, um, gets in the way of all of that. And I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been in the corporate world very early um, in my life. And as much you know, as I um, initially believed that that was what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be was so wrapped up in that identity. And now this is not me, you know, bashing at all in any way for those who choose, you know, that um, career path or that life path. But this is just to let people know that there are so many other options for us as women and that doing things that are considered more traditional in the roles of women is um, doesn't take anything away from you 
And as if you know who you are and who you desire to be, you can actually get so much more freedom. And and that I say from my own experience, um, in the like decade and a half um, that I've been exclusively uh, or primarily, I should say, focused on. You know, I, I came home to, to be a stay-at-home mom initially, um, an unschooling mom. In that time, I've been able to do so many things. Everything that I ever, you know, even every whimsy <laughs> that I ever had in terms of, you know, professional pursuits um, or interests, I've been able to do all of them at whatever level that I decided to um, pursue it at. I've gotten degrees. I've gotten certifications. Um, I pursued, you know, being an athlete. I just, it, it didn't matter what it was. And this is because something that I talked about um, not too long ago, a lot of us kind of forget that part of the process of unschooling, we as parents become unschooled as well. Um, the mm. freedom that we endeavor to give our children to be who they want to be, we get a big piece of that as well. We get the time as well. You know, of course, if you have little bitty children, it's a little bit more time intensive. But as you grow with them, because we definitely grow up with our children, as you grow with them, you also get to kind of um, bring along your own freedom. Um, you get to start thinking outside of the box for yourself. You get to learn more about who you are in the same way that your children are learning about who they are, the same way that your children are getting to explore everything that they desire to be, you get to explore everything that you desire to be. Um, again, I say if I that ever makes sense. thought about, mm-hmm, if I ever thought about, uh, it makes anything, sense because you know as mm-hmm. you're as you're so like I said you have that desire for them, and as you're learning, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know it may be you know I don't know if it's the quite right 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 way to say it, but as you're mm-hmm. becoming a better unschooler because you have such a great desire for your children, it's almost like you said you're learning it along the way. And if I could, I know we only have you for a few more minutes. And for anybody out there online, if you have a question, please press 1. Some of you may be waiting for the second hour just to highlight that. The second hour is open call. So y'all out there listening, y'all can bring any subjects you want to the table in the second hour. Uh, But just to kind of further explore when you talked about having been on both sides of the fence, it has been eye-opening for me. I've watched another person who's kind of a homeschooler and mentioned this the paradigm shift. You said something at the very beginning of uh, today's show that I I definitely think is a great place to kind of wrap up this conversation, and it's the idea of when you said, you know, families are the root and something, you know, in a say, say you can't have strong communities without having strong families, and I will even add my personal caveat that, that in a sense, marriage is the cornerstone to the, to that home, in a sense. And mm-hmm. so in throwing mm-hmm. that out there, um, when you say family is the key, in, in thinking is key, I think that we have to at least learn about the paradigm shift that you have now taken, at least know of it, be aware of it, aware of it, aware of it from the standpoint because as you say, in being programmed inside of the school system, you said this already, the only way. See, we've gotten caught mm-hmm. up in the current, in a sense, American dream that we we, are, we're, we don't even have insight on how it's not serving our families. So I think mm-hmm. what you, the path that you've taken is, is, again, an example of how to break from it. But if you could just even qualify or speak to that the, the 
the paradigm shift because it's not an easy one to even consider mm-hmm. what you're doing. Some people might say, I want to do it, but they have no idea. Any thoughts on that, uh, man? Um, uh, many. The one thing that I will say is that I wholeheartedly believe that the um, that the entire goal of the so-called American dream um, is to kind of fracture the family because um, the goal is to have your time, your energy, you know, dedicated to um, to the system, to or whatever you want to see that as, whether it's the corporations, whether it's you know your job. Whatever it is out there, they want your time and attention, and they want for every generation of your family following to be focused on, you know, making the top, you know, 1% or whatever you want to call it, you know, stay on top by, you know, using your energy and keeping you as a cog in that wheel, a cog in that system. And I believe that um, being able to kind of break away from that and, as I was saying before, focusing on your family, on freeing your family from that system and being able to see beyond what you want for your children, you get a chance to experience that for yourself. And um, and I'm just, you know, trying to bring the, the thoughts together, but I, I really believe that us, specifically as a black community, until we're able to get back to um, – having a strong unit as a family, it's going to be impossible for us to be empowered as a community. And um, for a lot of us, it's going to take a lot of deprogramming from, you know, that idea um, that, that this is the only way that we can have this. This is the only way that we can be successful. This is the only way that we can have wealth or whatever it is that we desire is that we have to fit into this mold that's been created for us. And it's time for us as individuals and as a family to start creating our own mold to have a stronger community. You know, I hope that kind of, you know. No, no, it does because I I think it's a Mm -hmm. a beautiful bow tie because, again, I support Mm -hmm. what you're saying wholeheartedly. And what is something that I quite often will say is for all of our economic efforts, for all of our education efforts, for all of, uh, our business efforts. I'm talking about the things that people mm-hmm. are you see constantly getting pushed on social mm-hmm. media for when we start talking about the idea of what we should as black people should be doing. So for all of these efforts mm-hmm. that I'm seeing pushed, I'll go as far as to say they're all for naught if we don't fix mm-hmm. the relationship between the black man and the black woman. It's not to say that there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of beautiful relationships out there, but I'm talking about the complete paradigm shift of how that has mm-hmm. to be focused on mm-hmm. in order for all of these other areas to prosper. Because we literally, I see, are pursuing some of these areas almost individually, and we're missing the vote on how exponential mm-hmm. is done from a legacy mm-hmm. standpoint when it's done inside the unit of a family. We got about a minute mm-hmm. um, before uh, we're at the top of the hour, Marilyn. I will ask if you know if you got a little extra time i would love to steal it just to kind of move into the second hour because I'm, I'm loving this conversation but i'm not trying to take your time if you have to go but if you will <laughs> let people know how they can stay in contact with you and follow your movement i think you got something going on sunday as well so get all of that out before we go to the top of the hour break thank you so much queen for being with us this morning absolutely it was absolutely a pleasure 
to be here, and I can stay just a little bit longer. Um, I am available actually for the last few months as I went through a transition with my family. I've been on hiatus of a sort um, with some of the things that I've been doing and taking on new people, but I've had such a just a big demand um, with everything going on for more support and availability. So um, I'm kind of reactivating my websites and, you know, um, activity there. So the Peaceful Black Mama um, is a great place to go, um, thepeacefulblackmama.com. And right now, for the next few weeks, I'm opening back up three introductory discovery sessions for anyone who wants to kind of get some clarity and get a little bit of support um, in how to begin their parenting or unschooling, homeschooling journey, whatever it is. Um, is on your mind that you want to get some some support and clarity on. Um, it's completely free for us to, you know, talk for a little bit and just have a conversation around that and give you some support there. And it's just a great way to know um, how to move forward and if, you know, you need any other support down the line. So the Peaceful Black Mama, there's a link there, and you can, you know, get a free introductory session. I also have a Facebook group, Unschooling While Black, and that is a community for everyone to come in. I share lots of, you know, great, you know, um, free information on how to get started um, and just a lot of support for unschoolers. And um, tomorrow I'm doing a Q&A session about de-schooling for a lot of us that are just kind of getting started during this, you know, whole quarantine time. So if you've got any questions, um, concerns on what to do, where to get started, um, join the group Unschooling While Black, and tomorrow at 3 p.m. I'll be doing a Q&A session where I'll answer your questions and help you out there. Um, other than that, I'm on social media as Marilyn Aldoini, that's O-D-U-E-N-Y-I, and I'm always, you know, open to sharing and um, supporting anyone any way that I can. Now, sounds good. We are at the top of the hour, so I will steal a few more minutes from you since you let me have it, Queen, so thank you for that. Love it. And we'll hear again this cut from our sponsor, Taylor Pace. Can't think about love from Square Business Entertainment. We'll listen to that and come back uh, with the open call second hour. So for those out there, if y'all want to get in, you do have to press 1 um, to, again, you can ask questions from Maryland. You can take it wherever you want. The second hour is your hour. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. When an old couple prays, the sky's full of sun rays. I'm taking helicopter rides over the Frisco Bay. And roller coaster rides, keeps winning first prize. When people are truly happy with themselves inside. Like mountains capped with snow, a great ending to the show. Many things I love and all I know I can think about love But I think it up you Everything I find you for Just compared to you I love it so real I love it so true I can think about love But I think it up you
like I'm on the lottery. Like mountains capped with snow, a great ending to the show. Too many things I love and all I know. I can't think about love, but I'm thinking of you. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Again, a hit from Taylor Pace, Can't Think About Love. Find Square Business Entertainment Music on all music streaming platforms, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, Pandora, Google Play. I love what they're doing. Again, we're just in a world where we don't hear real R&B, so I love having them as one of our sponsors. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to keep on our special guest from the first hour, uh, Marilyn Odwini. Um, for those out there on the phone lines, you will need to press one if you want to get in on this discussion. And since I have you, Queen, I did get one one thought that I didn't get to explore with you, and I'll kind of go there. And then we got to get we can kind of just talk about what's going on, whether it's the coronavirus or whatever people want to talk about. Second hour, we mm-hmm. try that, and hopefully the callers will get in and give us some thoughts. Uh, but just one other quick question, since I worry, since I have been able to keep you. This, and one thing is too is just let me know when you need to go. So. It's, Free-flowing show. You don't have to wait to the break or anything like that. If you need to go, just let me know as well, Marilyn. Um, but one more okay, thought great. that um, you mentioned, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that you mentioned on your site was, and this was, I worked in um, admissions, so I picked out this particular one. Again, I didn't think I was going to get to ask you um, because I, I kind of have a different thought on it, but I wanted to hear your background to the concept of when you mentioned on your site the idea that, for example, um, Ivy League schools, in a sense, or not necessarily prone to take the, the the student with a perfect GPA. That was interesting to me, having worked in mm-hmm. uh, enrollment for a pretty prestigious college, uh, Air Force Academy, not necessarily on the Ivy League level when it comes, at least how it was looked at in the States, I'll say that. But we definitely consider mm-hmm. ourselves, in a sense, right below that tier. And, and we mm-hmm. like kids with, with perfect GPAs, if you will. Uh, so I wanted to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. behind um, you mentioning that on your site. Well, this is based on um, conversations with admissions counselors um, from, you know, schools like Harvard Mm -hmm. and Princeton um, and on that level. And um, while, you know, perfect, you know, GPAs are great, but they can't be the lone indicator. Um, Mm -hmm. So they do take some. I I didn't say that they don't take any. Um, But the child also, they want to reflect a person who, um, or they want a, a portfolio that reflects a person who is balanced. Um, and a lot of times the children, or the young people, I should say, with the perfect GPAs, um, when it comes to grades um, on an academic level, a lot of times those are things that the young people are doing to make everybody else happy, you know, um, keep parents mm. happy to, um, you know, prove something to someone, you know, or because these are the things that are expected of them. But yeah, um, what I did focus it. on and, and what I um, was speaking about specifically was about hobbies and the things, and, and that turned out to be the biggest area, you know, mm-hmm. that these admission people and these top schools were focusing on. Because what they want to know is that this student is going to come into their school and not crash and burn. 
because a lot of times these students who have spent, you know, 12 years or however many years going hard and, you know, having a perfect GPA and working mm-hmm. to be the and they've just been going and going and going. And a lot of times these people are at a point where they're just about to burn out by the time they get to college, you know, and they'll get no, to college. No, it makes sense. And to be fair and, to you, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. cut you off. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, but yeah, to be yeah to be fancy. Okay, no problem. Yeah, uh-huh. to be fancy, you. <laughs> no, no, um, you know, again, having no, no, you're good, and not you know having been to the Air Force Academy, we were a military school or whatever. So obviously, we definitely didn't want just the straight A student because you had to be physical enough to pass the PT test and things like that. And you are right, we definitely placed uh, value on hobbies. Again, just being the type of school, it was definitely very necessary. Uh, but we definitely gave an extra boost, if you will, uh, you know, to the to the GPA at least in, in, in our arena or whatever. And so, but again, that makes full sense because we definitely were looking for that rare rounded student. Mm-hmm. I'd say even academically and physically because of our physical requirements at the school. So fair, very fair, and we definitely were giving boosts to those students who were in hobbies, in different clubs and things of that nature because we were looking for leadership, if you will, at a military school, if you can only imagine. We've got a couple of callers that want to get in. Uh, let's see where, where they, direction they want to take us. I got Brother Piaki out of St. Louis. Hey, thanks a lot for calling, King. What you got for us this morning? You know, you make a point on what schools look for. Stanford University there in California say that your GPA of 4.0 or 4.6 or whatever don't mean anything because all our students have that. They look beyond that. Now, you know myself, and we've talked many times of this, I'm a strong proponent school choice with vouchers where parents and the family can put their child where they feel is best suited for their long-term educational goals. And that choice can be whatever the parents, their family wants, homeschooling as your conversation lies on today, private schools, religious schools, technical schools, charter schools, so on, so on, so on. And I think that is the best way to go because the uh, these public schools are not putting out, based on the data that you see, you know, when you look at the presence of blacks in certain industries, certain professions, and some of the ones that have the highest demands, if blacks make up 13% of the population, they're falling way short as a representative of that population in these industries. You know, take engineering, for instance. Less than 7% of the engineers in this country come from that particular ethnic group in the population of the United States. But uh, when you give parents those opportunities, they seem to do well. That's you take, the, for instance, the emphasis on certain education, like charter schools. I've seen them with a emphasis on aviation, emergency medical services. Heck, in New York, they even have a basketball charter school. And down in Florida, they got baseball charter schools. And that's based on the industry demand. You know, and that's easy to find out. There's long-term projection output on employment that people can start preparing their child. I prepared my siblings to go into Pacific areas, 
and you, they follow the parents' suggestion. Now, of course, they can do whatever they want to once they achieve those, which many of them did. My last one is doing just that also. So that's my position on that, uh, Montoya. If I mean, uh, you was my son, I would have school. you to get married. I know, right? Hey, and I should listen to you as well, brother. <laughs> Much as I talk about it, I damn sure should be married by now, right? But uh, but anyway, barely. Uh, any thoughts to, uh, again, this is one of our longtime callers, brother Pianchi out of St. Louis. Any thoughts to or what he had to say, and I'm just taking advantage of having her for this second hour. The second hour is open to all of you out there listening. We have another caller on the line as well, brother Pianchi, so I'm going to let you go, but I'll get her response to what you had and to you say. And, you know, one thing, brother. real in closing, uh, College is very, very good because college takes a child through the rigors of being able to maintain the next step. And, you know, I was a structure still erector. I put up office buildings and bridges. I had to work for somebody in order to learn that. I couldn't learn that in Harvard or Yale or homeschooling. So each and every one, their own particular style and their own particular specific goals. Thank you, Montoya. Right, fair enough. No, no problem. Thanks for the call, brother. Fiocchi. Any thoughts on uh, what I called? I had to say, Marilyn. Thanks. Uh, thank you for being. Well, with I agree you. in many ways. Um, I definitely believe that the choices should be up to the families. Um, I definitely believe that um, there should be a good amount of emphasis given on the choices of the young person um, and knowing who they are and what goals um, that they have for their own lives. I also, I'm not necessarily um, for or against um, college in particular. I just feel like college should have a purpose. And a lot of people are pushed to go into school just because that's what you do. And a lot of people end up with a lot of debt and all kinds of other things in life and don't get the value for what they invest into a very um, costly education. So um, a lot of people are able to, uh, and, and there are a lot of, changes and shifts going on right now when it comes to what even um, companies and, you know, some major ones are requiring. Many of them are starting to drop the requirement of a four-year degree for their entry position just because they know that Mm. so many people out there can get the real-world experience. What I love um, about our experience and the experience of others as homeschoolers and unschoolers is that what he said is absolutely correct a lot of work that you have to do, whether it's with someone or for someone in order to learn certain skills. And um, none of us get anywhere in a vacuum. We have to have that support. And like I mentioned with my own child and many other children, um, he was able to go directly from a very young age than someone who had to wait until they were 18 or 19 to go into college. By the time he was 13 and 14, he was already in an apprenticeship model, learning and becoming a part of the industry that he wanted to be a part of. You know, so there's just a mm-hmm. lot yeah, we're up against a break. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. Are you? Can I keep you hanging? I got a call, another call that wants to get in, but we'll go to a quick break. Are you still good? I'm just checking on you. I got a few more minutes, like so, like 11:20. Okay, sounds good. I'm, I'm gonna take every second you get, okay. Queen, because you've been excellent this morning. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go okay. to another quick break in 502. Um, last three two eight three. We'll get to you coming out of the break. For anybody else out on the phone line, you do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think.
Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com 404-465-4348 Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com Call them at 404-465-4348 Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This is our open call, second hour. Still have first hour special guest on for a few more minutes, Marilyn O'Dwaney. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. Got another caller. Let me go ahead and get to them just in case their question is particularly for you. They may take us in a different direction again. The second hour is the truth seekers out there listening. It's their hour, so we'll see where they want to go. Area code 502, last three, 283. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents this morning. How you doing? Montoya, this is Brand. How's it going, man? Hey, be fun. What you got for us? Thanks a lot, King, for calling in. Hey, no doubt. Love your show, man. Um, a little winded. I'm always working out doing your show. I appreciate that. I need to get with your man uh, over in St. Louis. I'm in O'Fallon, Illinois, just across the river. Yeah, absolutely. They got us on lockdown mm-hmm. over in, in St. Louis. They're running around like uh, ants, man. Visiting restaurants and all of that, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, I, I wanted to touch on, uh, on on the point that you were talking about at the Air Force Academy, the requirements and things, um, and, and I think it relates to what we were talking about um, the the importance of having a, a well-rounded individual going into these uh, higher learning institutions. If you remember during our time, there was a lot of things going on politically, but they changed the, the – I mean, the Air Force Academy was a, a, a place where they produce uh, the, the greatest producer of fighter pilots. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But since they were cut – since the government was cutting back on the number of pilots we needed, they said, let's mm-hmm. just go after – our class had the highest uh, percentage of salutatorians and valedictorians of yep, any class ever in, into the Air Force Academy. And if you remember, after our – I know. We, we all failed out, too. <laughs> 
After our freshman year, we had so we had the highest percentage of flunk out of, of any class attrition, of, yeah. of the attrition rate. Yeah, that the Congress said we cannot flunk out any more people through that junior year. So, um, and, and what it speaks to is same reason we took boxing class there. They wanted people mm-hmm. who who had proven not just that they could make straight A's, but they could get hit in the face and get up and go, we wanted captains of the football team. We wanted people in Boy Scouts, Eagle mm-hmm. Scouts, you know, in your church community, are you a leader? Are you doing things that demonstrate that you're not just a, a, a one one uh, instrument band? You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I, I just wanted to, to touch on that because I thought that was really important that as a, as, as a guy, a former guy in HR not too many years ago, um, we were looking for the same thing. You know, we talked about college isn't necessarily uh, important for all professions, but as we look at people, if all they have is college, college is just demonstrating that without your mama in your ear every day, I can focus <laughs> and get the job done. Now I can teach you the requisite skills to be successful in our company. You know what I'm saying? Because we all know that our master's degree is where we really, a lot of times, uh, is where we really get into um, our, our professions and, uh, and, and get education specific to our profession. But I did want to touch on that, that uh, when we talk about requirements, we're looking for the whole person. Um, how do you develop, you know, like we said, it doesn't, uh, a, a good professional or whatever doesn't just happen in a vacuum. It, it, uh, it, it requires coming from all different angles, approaching all different aspects of, you know, that person's uh, development. So, um, I thought that was a really good point. I appreciate the uh, uh, your your uh, expert guest yes. on the show. Man, like, it's, it's very enlightening. Now I want to get her thoughts. Cause I want to make sure I'm respectful of her time. So any thoughts? I think basically we got callers that are basically reinforcing a lot of what you've been saying, Marilyn. And if I could just even pump this up before you you know kind of give a response, is the unschooling experience produces that all the time from what I'm learning about your experience. And, again, I want to be respectful of your time. But, yeah, go ahead, Queen. Uh, before, I'm going to keep you on because I want to laugh about that about, about how we were <laughs> the smartest class that I almost <laughs> fell out of the right. academy. So I can keep you on for right. a second. But I want to hear about Marilyn's thoughts on this as well. Go ahead, Queen. You know, I just don't want to take too much yeah, of your time. Thank you for because he, 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 he um, touches on um, a couple of areas that are actually pretty similar to me. My, my husband is actually currently active duty in the Air Force as well. And um, I was, before, you know, I um, became full-time in what I do now, um, was an um, administrator in HR. Um, I was an HR manager and personal analyst. And in the same way, a lot of the, what we looked for, and um, I was in government, HR was for well-rounded people. And we found that the people who came in and all they'd ever done was school and get good grades were the ones who struggled the most when it came time to participate in the real world. And so we had to adjust a lot of what we were looking for um, to be people who had, you know, some kind of experience and to see what they were doing on their own time in their, um, in their own lives. And going back to what we were saying earlier, um, as an, um, one of the best things that I've seen in terms of the success of our young people is that, it's not even a matter of whether or not now they are ready for um, the ones who choose college because it's necessary for whatever they're trying to learn. Maybe they're trying to be doctors or there's, 
you know, mm-hmm. something that is very, very um, specific and they have to go to school for that particular thing. But for the most part, we have young people who are directly entering the world who they don't need, you know, that gap. They don't need that extra hand. They start very early. And um, by the time they are, you know, before they even leave their teenage years, they're already doing the same work that somebody in their late 20s, 30s, and 40s is doing because they've had their entire lives to pursue this area of their passion. Their hobbies literally become, you know, their careers later on because they get such an exceptional amount of time and opportunity to delve into it and become experts from a very early age. And um, I think I mentioned that earlier in the same little thread um, where we were talking about hobbies. Yeah. Is that, um, you know, is that there, there, there's so much opportunity that we have to, to be able to do all of these things and that being um, to be able to get into colleges, it's important to be well-rounded, but just in life period to be successful in whatever you choose. Um, it's important to have a lot of our, to, to to know that you have the opportunity to do much more than just make good grades. And that being self-directed, being self-motivated, that's what your hobbies and the things you do in your life show. Um, and not to say that students themselves and young people don't want to get good grades, um, but a lot of that, like I said before, is motivated by their desire to please others. What they do in their spare time and in their free time, that's why colleges are so focused on looking at those things, that shows their real drive, that shows their real ability to be leaders and to have follow through, you know, um, just on their own without somebody else pushing them or holding their hand. And that's what shows that high level of success for those schools. Um, I said also that, you know, that um, Harvard, you know, um, John Taylor Gatto, who's a great, you know, homeschooling and unschooling advocate, um, was someone who did a lot of discussion and talks about um, um, what admissions counselors in these schools were looking for. Um, he said that Harvard, you know, in schools like Harvard, they don't add the value to the child or to the student. They actually do so much work in picking out the top performers, not in academics, not in grades, but in their real lives, in their chosen areas of focus, they pick out those people and they actually, the students, add the value to Harvard. So it looks like Harvard somehow has like a uh, uh, monopoly on all the top brains <laughs> of the world, you know, <laughs> but it's really Harvard. But they're flipping the script. Brings up. <laughs> exactly. They bring those students in because those students make Harvard look good. Harvard doesn't really change who that student is. It gives them the information and the knowledge they need to go on to the next phase of their life. But it's really the student. Check, what I, check out what I just saw Harvard. last night in reference mm-hmm. to what you just said, and I'm going to let you go because you've already given us a mm-hmm. let's, let's definitely let you get back to your family. But based on what you just mm-hmm. said, I just saw um, one of one of somebody's in our community club put up a, a quote, I guess, that W.D. Boyd said. I, I like to research mm-hmm. things, but I, so before I really put them out publicly, and, and, and I'm, you know, again, coming from her, I'm pretty sure it's good, but just because you just said that I have to share this quote, I just seen it last night, and, uh, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. probably going to mess it up a little bit, but when W.E. Du Bois uh, received his doc- doctorate from Harvard or, or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and it was almost like he's making a statement about um, – in a sense, was it an honor to uh, go to Harvard? And he said, I promise you the honor was all theirs. Exactly. It really is. <laughs> you feel me? And so I just that's saw that last night, and it was, and I'm, you know, being, a, you know, having studied W. Du Bois, a fan of, 
you know, of 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 W. Du Bois' work, if you will. I just thought that was so prevalent in the reality of, in a sense, what our black children can bring to the table if we focus on them to get our families right. So I thank you so much for everything you you know given us this morning. Please send me all of your contact information via a direct message, and I'll make sure that it travels with the replay of this show. Thank you so much, Marilyn. You have been wonderful. Brent, Brent, um, Brent, thanks for hanging on as well. Thank you, Queen. All right, thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, you too. All right, B-Funk, thanks for hanging on, King. Uh, I definitely wanted to. Hey, no I just needed to laugh about about I think, well, what was that called? Was that M Hall or what, what hall was that? The it was the military yeah. hall. What did we call that hall? Yeah. Well, it was M uh, M five, M five, M five. Yeah, yeah, the M five session. So I, I never, I would never forget it. I would never forget getting called into that hallway. It, it's an M five, the M five session, going to that hall, and them saying, according to our numbers, you are the smartest class we've ever brought in, right, in the history of this school. And I don't know if you remember these details. But we had just, I had just failed chemistry, which for our class, if you remember, we were the last class for them to cram two semesters into one. And so chemistry counted as two Fs. So we had chemistry had attrition a lot of kids out, and computer science had attrition a lot of kids out right before the call meeting where they were saying, this makes no sense. What is going on with y'all? Y'all are absolutely just, based on the numbers, the smartest school, smartest class we've ever brought in here, but y'all have the highest attrition rate in 20 or 30 years or whatever the case may have been. And so I never forgot that. And this is why I never forgot it, just to share this. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Let me see here. We're actually up against the break. So let me, everybody out there listening, I'm going to come back with my man, uh, Brent, and just, again, just inquire about that experience because, again, I never forgot it. Uh, Let's go through this break, and uh, we'll come back after the break. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group, focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Do you need a video to help promote your business on social media? Contact Black Ivory Digital Marketing to get a professional, high-quality video within 48 hours. Let more people see how your business can help them. No matter what type of business you have, we can create a video for you. Authors, realtors, life coaches, insurance agents, stylists, therapists, and more. We got you. Is your business next? Contact Black Ivory Digital Marketing at 470-635-1241 or info at blackivorydmf.com. Again, that number is 470-635-1241 or email them at info at blackivorydmf.com.
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. We are in the open call, second hour. Please give us a call at 646-787-1691. This is your hour. Talk about whatever you like. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. Just had an amazing First hour, first hour and a half, technically, with uh, Marilyn Oduani, specialist in homeschooling and unschooling, so definitely enjoyed that. I still have a good friend on the line, B-Funk, if you will. And so uh, thinking about that very moment, again, I, I can still almost see it in my mind and getting told, you know, that type of thing. But I remember going from that time forward, because, again, as I admitted before, I had failed chemistry, and so I was on academic probation. So I had an attrition, attrition out, per se. I hadn't been kicked out, per se, but I had to kind of get my act together, uh, you know, again, from having failed chemistry. And so in that fight back, um, again, like you said, that was put on us, like, what's going on with your class? And I remember, you know, in a sense, my – just something to bring up, and I was to your thoughts on this, but I just remember as I, in a sense, fought back and – Got so did pretty well, and then I'm having another period of you know a couple of years later, and that you know and that's admittedly over a girl, right? You know that I always do it to you, right? So I so I messed up again a couple of a few semesters later or whatever, but again survived and got through the school with all of y'all help. But I just recall uh, a big thing that was happening at that time. I don't know if you recall this as well, but we had our first black um, commandant. Was with this well during our time. Remember, we had that first black commandant, and so General during Hopper. that time, yep, General Hopper. And at that time, because he was the commandant, there was these perceived ideas of affirmative action that they ended up addressing almost a year later, saying, "Where are y'all getting these perceptions from?" We we pretty much have ran the school the same way we always have, but there was these perceived ideas, and I remember having lots of dialogues about that. Uh, at the school, and something that I would always say to my peers, even though I wasn't the best student, but again, I was still there, I would always say to them, where are these smarter students that should have gotten in before me? Where where the hell are they? And if I could interrupt right there, man. Yeah, I want you to. Yeah, that's why I'm jumping. I want you to jump in right there. it, it makes me think of, and, and that was always an issue, you know what I mean? Because it, 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 because it was a microcosm of greater culture. So we were just coming out, mm-hmm. well, it, it's a microcosm of greater culture. And, and if I could go back a year, what a lot of people, um, what I credit a lot of our success to, we could not have made it to our freshman year have, or through our freshman year had we not gone to the prep school. Now, right. You brought you brought a band of characters in. We were all football players. You had got a, a man, Big Daddy Adam Bergs, out of Chicago. He mm-hmm. said, "I sent a video went to them, profiling myself with a camera, telling them they better take me." You know, that's what it, and the co one of the coaches said his video was so compelling we had to get him in here. For me, I was a 1.9 GPA student at high school, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when they told me I couldn't come for the next six months, I called them every week and said, what do I have to do? And maybe somebody dropped out. They said, hey, brother, come on. Two weeks before class started, two weeks before I met mm-hmm. you, they called me and said, pack your bags and come on. And everybody we hung out with had a story like that, and that's the resilience mm-hmm. and the grit. There's a, there's a doctor, uh, Angela Duckworth, I think she's at Purdue who talks about grit, 
one of those things that you cannot measure um, uh, tangibly, you know, um, the intangible. That's the that's where grit is talking mm-hmm. about. You know, it's so so subjective. How do you find that in a person and make sure that the investment that you make in for your institution in this individual who you only you only know on paper is going to be successful for you and um and all I ever ask you know I'm big on education all I ever ask is uh ec- um equitably can we have the opportunity as brothers to suck or succeed as much as anybody else in the game. You know what I mean? Because it's not it. all going to be I successful. Love it. You know <laughs> that's what I'm saying? No, I mean, let, me, and, let me speak to that part real quick. Let me speak to that part real quick. Just to even, I just want to reiterate that part. Because something I would always also say in those conversations, because I would say, I say, according to y'all, Based on – because, you know, what their, their comeback was, we just want the best students. That's what makes this – we want to have the best students is, what, you know, what our peers would often say to us. And I would go – I said, I, I know I ain't the best student, but we all know <laughs> that that general son over there is worse than all of us, but he here with no problem, with no issue. Right. So, so like, you know what I'm saying? So you said that, that opportunity to suck or do as well, that's just the opportunity. And I'm although I only spent six years, uh, you know, more power to you. You retired from the Air Force. Uh, props to you, um, absolutely, King, for that. But, you know, in doing my six years, one thing, because I did work in the admission office that first year out of the academy, I actually, it was really at that point that I appreciated that the military understood um, the idea of diversity in its officer ranks. Uh, when you you know when you consider the enlisted ranks um, being heavily um, saturated with diversity, if you will, uh, if you want to use that word, and particularly African Americans in, in in all the branches, but the officer rank not really reflecting what you saw in the enlisted ranks. So I appreciated that, you know, in working in admissions that they did look at the whole student, that these other factors played a role. Uh, you know, not not to big up myself, but I you know, I was the president of the state for beta club, you know what I mean, or whatever. And I definitely had an uncle who was a liaison officer. So without him that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have mattered. Relationships still matter in things. But with his relationship and some of my other efforts, I in a sense had to grit with y'all help to get through that school and all of our peers, again, who were pointing their finger at us, we graduated. And, and, and you know, you you speak to the support that you had and people in your corner. Uh, ironically enough, um, Mitch McConnell gave me my um, wow. <laughs> appointment to the Air Force Academy. So there you go, man. Um, I, I kick them straight out of office if I could right now. But – to, to the point of diverse, to, to the point of diversity right now, uh, or in the military, and, and the example that it's been since the '40s. Um, I was just telling my daughter and my fiance a story uh, last week, just a couple of days ago. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about before I met you, I was enlisted in the Air Force in Montgomery, Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama. I was telling them about the story. It had a uh, it's the only or one of two federal prison camps. Um, in the country, on the base, uh, when I when I got there, it was a white co- those are usually white collar uh, criminals, no no fences around it. Um, mm-hmm. They could come and go as they please, pretty much. Every day that I went to work, I had an inmate assigned to me uh, to work with me. And when we played flag football, basketball, any kind of intramural, 
I played against two, uh, they would have two teams in our league, the inmates would, because mm-hmm. during that time, during that time it was right after, um, or it was it was uh, during the war on drugs, had just started about four or five years mm-hmm. early. Now they started to fill these white-collar prisons with low-level criminals, and I'm standing across from a 19-year-old who, um, who just like me, is wondering what the heck is going to happen tomorrow. But I had much more opportunity, obviously. He had no idea he was going to be in prison playing with another dude. I had no idea I was going to be in the Air Force playing football with a prisoner, going to work with a prisoner. Anyway, mm-hmm. in the in the 30s, this prison, talk about where we come from in, the, in uh, diversity. The prison shared the land with a, uh, in the 30s, a segregated uh, group of African-Americans had their dormitory, their tents, actually, in the same land as that prison, of those prisoners, to keep them away from the rest of the Air Force individuals. So when you talk about being proud of where we come from in diversity, uh, that's where we've come from. And the reason we've come from that is because, and, and uh, maybe it shifts the argument or the discussion a little bit, the reason, because people spoke up, all these enlisted brothers said, how come we won't have any black officers? How come we won't have people mm-hmm. representing us at the highest level mm-hmm. until we get mm-hmm. and now here, here we are in the 90s, you working in an office that's specifically targeting minorities. And, and the point is, if we're not speaking up for what we want, um, and letting people know what our issues are, we can't get the things that we need. And, and um, I just thought that was a, a, a really good point. The, the focus on diversity uh, has come from us expressing and not, you know, uh, becoming indifferent to the process, but including ourselves in the process and demanding what no, we need. Great point. Great point. Uh, great point. Five seven one. Last three two three seven. If you're trying to get in, you do need to press one. Uh, if you're just listening, no problem. Um, but but uh, I'm gonna keep you on. I'm trying to make sure, brother. P- okay, they, they are trying to get in. Let me get. All right, all right I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go ahead and because you've been hanging, holding me down. Because you know when I have these open calls, I definitely need y'all help. So I thank you for always kind of answering the bell when I'm doing the open calls because I don't want to talk for an hour just myself. I don't think I'm that good. I definitely need y'all help. So thanks a lot, King. I'm gonna go ahead and get to this next caller. Appreciate you before calling it. Hey, we listen. I keep up the good work. All right, thanks a lot, King. All right, let's get to 571. Brother Piak, I'm going to hit you again, too, just to make sure you're not trying to get back in, but let me get to this other column. Area code 571, last three, 237. Give us your name, where you're calling from. It's open call, so your three cents is whatever you want it to be. Thanks a lot for calling. Peace, King. This is uh, Brother Bryant. How you doing? Hey, what's up? Thanks for getting in on this thing, man. We got, we definitely got something we need to talk about. I got about a couple <laughs> minutes before break, so maybe we'll, we'll, we'll open up the discussion, go to break, and, and come back on the, on the end of it. Because I'm glad, I'm so glad you called in. Thanks for calling in, King. Hey, it's no problem, King. Nah, good stuff. So anyway, I actually reached out to Emil. He had been on my social media this week. And I don't, want, I ain't even go. I'm just tell people straight out what's going on, and. Um, I had made a post about all this stuff going on with coronavirus, just simply saying, uh, if I remember correctly, I'm just going to do it off the top of my head, but uh, just what you had to say in return was so poignant, and I was like, let's talk about that. But I just made, if I remember correctly, a post. All right, brother, I think you got something in the background, so I'm going to mute you and then bring you back on, if you will. No problem, though. We can no problem. Here. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm going to mute you and then bring you back on. So anyway, I just made a post in reference. Matter of fact, I'll tell y'all, tell y'all to set up, go to break it, then come back with the meal. Um, anyway, so just in reference to 
the coronavirus. I mentioned in the first hour I was actually on another broadcast just basically trying to give people the correct information when it was coming to the coronavirus and everything that was going on from. And I say correct information, when I say that, I'm talking about from the scientists, uh, not getting into the politics of it, if you will. And so I made a comment on my social media where I just kind of broke down that um, this situation, unfortunately, is a situation where nature was ahead of humans and science and technology basically will eventually catch up and in the meantime, stop with all the conspiracy theories. And so I just kind of mentioned that, and the brother just called Emil. He made a bigger point in reference to, in a sense, what I was saying, and it's just the idea of holding um, a, a, a group of humans in, an, in, in, in a level of esteem that I think is unwarranted and improper for our community, in my personal opinion, to buy into a bunch of conspiracies without understanding the power we're subconsciously giving to other humans that they don't have. But I'll let that brother speak to that, uh, at least in my opinion, when we come back from this break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. If I could highlight Money Motivation as our sponsor, we are kicking up a new partnership with Money Motivation. Stay tuned for the Money Motivation podcast on Mental Dialogue on Blog Talk. So stay tuned for those opportunities. We have episode one coming up pretty soon. It is a unscripted view into the game of money. People are overly concerned with that right now. But on the line with me for this morning's open call is Emil Brown, as I was saying in, prior to the break. Uh, I think we're giving our power away if, if what I was saying was making sense. But I'll let this brother give you his perspective on the context I gave and his perspective, which I wholeheartedly agree with. But go ahead, King, speak to it. So what you said is absolutely right, and the problem that I perceive with especially black people and doing these conspiracy theories, and I, I like to call them conspiracy theories because um, they're unproven hypotheses, but I don't even want to say conspiracy because conspiracies are actually based in fact. And most of these theories, most of these hypotheses are based in conjecture you got to connect dots that don't belong together. It's worse than looking up in the constellations and seeing an archer when you see a bunch of stars. 
or a bull when you see a bunch of stars in a cluster. Like, that's the kind of inference that we're supposed to make in order to get these theories, these hypotheses to connect. Mm -hmm. What we've done by doing this sort of leap, leap, these leaps of logic, is we basically have said there's a group of people who are omnipotent, who have more power than any human being ever in the history of the world could ever have wielded. And that power is so great that they can control everything. And then when the conspiracy, when the hypothesis begins to break down, we start to backtrack and we say, well, they didn't really go to the moon. They faked it. Well, if they're omnipotent and can control the weather, but they can't get to the moon, we got a problem. We got a problem when we start putting together things that don't belong together and then backtracking because they can't do certain things that are quote unquote impossible or not proven by science. It's like, which one of these is proven by science and which one is it? Which one of these is right. part of an overarching cabal of conspiracies and which one isn't? Because the moment we start to do this, what we're really saying is, I surrender to a higher authority, my ability yes. to reason based on the information given. And, and let me say this real quick before you finish. I want to I reiterate that sentence. I want anybody out there listening who may still, because we understand cognitive dissonance is, is something that activates in the brain, and I'm pretty sure you just activated it for a couple of people, right? So, so, so what I want to say to that, Emil, is this. What, he, what, what Emil just said, understand we're talking about you're doing it subconsciously. You're not consciously making someone omniscient, but subconsciously you've just made someone your God unknowingly when you can, as you say, with conjecture, put together dots that don't belong together. And here's the sad part. When what's actually happened, what's actually happening, there's information on that, and it makes complete sense. That's the saddest part to me is that right. if you go actually take the time, because most people who are in this space very rarely have, the, have looked at the correct information to even compare, to ensure that the correct information, and, what, and when we say correct information for them, it's why do you trust it? You ain't even looked at it. Like maybe if you looked at it and compared it, one might make a little more sense than your, I love that example, your, the bull you see in a constellation of stars. I love it. I love it. And so thank you so much for putting what I simply said in a meme <laughs> In, in, in more context, and I, and I appreciate the thoughts because what I will say specifically when it comes to the coronavirus, due to, if, see, if you, see what your thoughts on this, I don't know what you think about this, but there's definitely, in my opinion, based on just looking at the information, there's been some levels of suppression in the media with the, what's actually going on with this thing. Uh, you know, China the government did it, and to a certain extent, the first month of this year, we wasn't necessarily publicly blamed, giving out, although the scientists were ringing the bell. We, we, our government, in a sense, played a role of not ringing that bell to the degree that science thought it should. So in my opinion, there was, in a sense, a little level of suppression. And so because everything that was going on with this virus, in my opinion, was not put out to say, hey, here's the reality, it allowed these conjectures and these conspiracies to take even stronger hold than normal because, in my opinion, the public did not have all of the information they needed 
to, in a sense, combat these conspiracy theories that I think they're the ones saying people are overreacting, but I'm saying all of these conspiracies are creating the overreaction in my thoughts. But go ahead, King. Any thoughts on, Concur. again, how, I, how I'm looking at what's going on right now? First of all, I concur with that, and I will offer my assessment in, in a very similar vein and add a little bit of detail that I see. So there was a scientist in China who, alarmed the, who sounded the alarm. He was suppressed. The scientist typically, not always, but typically, is the one trying to tell people, hey, there's something wrong here, let's fix it. Then you get the politicians involved, and China at the time, uh, back in December, didn't want the world to know that there was this potentially deadly virus that they weren't able to control because they needed to look strong. We always forget that China is a country of over a billion people, and they have a very significant stake in making sure those people remain unagitated uh, politically. And the way they do right. that is by controlling the media and controlling the messaging through the media, which is why they're so uh, so hard on Google and so hard on Facebook uh, right. to the point where Facebook can barely be a presence because they do not want and, and why these companies acquiesce uh, to those controls because they do not want their people having unfettered access to information. I get that. I don't agree with it, but I understand what, what they're doing. Now, you – when you say a conspiracy, one of the things that the hypothesis that I would create that counters the ones that are coming out that this is man-made or that the uh, WHO or other organizations are trying to propagate Agenda 21, which is by far and away the worst possible population control ever in the history of mankind because Agenda 21 exactly. has killed no one. And we have uh, no the longest, healthiest lives in human history in most of the world and fewer conflicts in most of the world. So I can't imagine how an Agenda 21 that's been around for over 30 years is somehow controlling the population to 5% of what it is today. It's failing never, miserably if it's happening. It's failing miserably. <laughs> never mind that because I know I just rankled a bunch of people. But let me tell you how I see it. Information, like, the, like from the doctor in China – get suppressed or modified by government. In America, in Washington, Dr. Chu, Dr. Helen Chu in Washington sounded the alarm. She was like, yo, we got to test. We got to test now. We got to be aggressive about this. She was suppressed by her own government. So it's not just an oppressive regime in China. It's an oppressive regime in America. Now, those oppressive regimes have histories that lend themselves to the kind of hypotheses that would say some things are engineered. However, we have enough mm -hmm. access to information, and that, and that information is clear enough that we can start to surmise mm -hmm. that something like coronavirus is actually not man-made, but rather it is nature being way smarter than human beings. And the hubris is we keep thinking mankind somehow is smarter than nature, and we're not. We've done amazing we're things not. technologically. We've done amazing things with engineering and science. We haven't even scratched the surface of what we are capable of knowing and understanding about this universe. And the models that we've created in physics, the models we've created about the human body, have been trumped repeatedly by observations of nature. That doesn't mean mankind is Nature is what brings us along sometimes because it's so far ahead. It's what what it, we're currently doing is nature bringing, forcing our hand in an area we was we that we were negligent in, in in so many because there's been plenty of people saying pandemics are the future. There's been plenty of people, and I'm not saying you just have to listen to those people ringing those alarms. But now we're at that stage. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. Well, no problem. But see, what I'm what I'm getting at is yes, you're absolutely right. Nature is ahead of us, and nature is bringing us along. 
because what we're finding out that we keep forgetting that we learned over 100 years ago at the turn of the 20th century when we thought we were at the pinnacle of science and engineering then over 100 years ago if you look at the turn of the century writing 1890 1900 1910 you look at that writing we mm-hmm. thought we were at the pinnacle of knowledge and technology yes. and here we are 100 years later doing the same thing that hubris is human engineered hubris it is because we keep thinking we're smarter than this universe of information that is coming at us, is cascading at us furiously every day. And when we say we can control the weather, we have demonstrated that we are thinking about something that might be a microcosm and we're expanding it into a macro sense that doesn't work. When you say we can control viruses, yes, we have built and engineered viruses, but nature has tens of thousands of viruses we have yet to discover that are probably more vicious and more virulent than we could ever know because they're hidden in some other species right now. And to your point, as, as we begin to expand and connect this world, as people from China not only travel to America, but commute to America on a regular basis, every month, every week, as people from Brazil travel to uh, 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 South Africa, not just commute, not just tourist travel, but actually live their lives, six months here, six months there, back and forth, back and forth, Mm -hmm. things that were isolated in South Africa become something brand new in Brazil. And what's brand new in Brazil comes to America, brand new to America. And now we have no idea what just happened because we are connecting this world in ways that the human, the, the human beings have never, never seen before. before. We've never and, been and able hum- to travel at 600 miles an hour. Every time. And so every time, every like time. Said, when the writings at the turn of the century saying we were at the pinnacle and, and you know, we we're exploring what the future could be and we're talking about flying cars and, 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 and again, be, uh, these thoughts will become things, but like you said, the leap, the illogical, it's an illogical leap and, and it, nature will it, humble us. And that's what's and so what, one, of, I'm sorry. one of my challenges, especially with black people, is we do not have enough scientific literacy. We do not understand how to discover information that's available for us to discover because we have been conditioned into not believing we're scientists, engineers, doctors, and thinkers. We've been conditioned to believe that what happened in Egypt is separate from what we are. 5,000, 6,000 years ago, the, the society that created the people who thought of the blueprints for a pyramid, that society is our forebear. That society, which was full of engineers, doctors, and lawyers, full of thinkers, that society is our historical marker for ourselves. We need to grab hey, well, our sorry, Let me just throw this in because we only got a minute. Let me throw this in. Uh, I will directly descend us, in a sense, from West Africa. We don't know that history as much, but scientists, builders, engineers, doctors, it was happening everywhere, not just Egypt, but again, just the fact not just that, Egypt. We can go to uh, Timbuktu and Mali. We can go exactly, all over the continent and just find examples yeah, exactly. of our ancestors exactly. being great engineers. And well, right. In my own point, we have to let, do it at the end, brother. Thanks a lot. But I'm just all the thing I want to kind of close with is it's a sad to see, in a sense, we were the first and now to be conditioned to be the last to enter these things that build and control the world so that we're not thinking of these silly things and understanding the world that is happening for us. Thank you so much for the call. We are You're welcome. Our perfect call, King. Appreciate you very much. All right, Brother Pink, I couldn't get you in, but I'm pretty sure you're happy about 
the the push for STEM, as we always say, make that our new NFL. Not saying that's what all of our kids should do, but if your child has that talent, please develop it at an early age. Do not rely on these public schools to help our children enter a career field that is wide open and we're still flying people from outside the country to fill our jobs when it comes to the STEM field. So keep that in mind. Thank you all for listening. Y'all were wonderful during the second hour. See you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.